the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 2. It's a privilege to welcome back to our show Kristen Wagner, General Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom. She's been all over the media today. Kristen, thanks for making some time for us. Really appreciate it. A major decision was made by the Supreme Court today. It was a decision where they said no. Tell us, Kristen, this was your client, this was your case. Tell us what the Supreme Court said today. Well, the Supreme Court declined to hear the case of Baronel Stutzman, who owns Arlene's Flowers. Baronel had served a customer who identified as gay for nearly 10 years. She designed dozens of arrangements for him and his partner. But she declined one single event, and that was to design custom arrangements and participate in his wedding ceremony, um, his same-sex wedding ceremony. So that case was litigated in the Washington Supreme Court, and the court, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to take her case and hear it this morning. They declined, and it's interesting that they declined because if we take it out of the realm of people that went to law school, Kristen, <laughs> most people would say, oh, this case sounds so much like another case. Maybe it even was ADF's case, something about a baker somewhere, and I thought the Supreme Court said this was okay, right? <laughs> Well, this, Sorry. I, I argued it's Friday. Jack Sorry Phillips. for doing it to you that way. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I argued the Jack Phillips Masterpiece Cake Shop yep. case at mm-hmm. the U.S. Supreme Court, and yep. that's the decision that you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, it involved whether a creative professional like Jack would have to sketch, sculpt, and hand-paint cakes that violate his religious convictions in terms of the messages that they express. Um, it also involved religious hostility under the Free Exercise Clause. The court found that the hostility against Jack was so strong and so obvious that it essentially ruled only on the free exercise clause, only with regard to um, how they treated Jack and the double standard that they had towards him. It did not touch the free speech issues. And so that's what left Baronell in Washington in the lurch, is that the Supreme Court had not yet affirmed that fundamental principle that Americans can't be forced to create expression or art that violates their convictions. But there are a number of other courts that have actually disagreed with the Washington Supreme Court's decision. So we do expect the U.S. Supreme Court will eventually resolve this issue. Fabulous. Now, one of the things that's interesting to me about this, Kristen, is uh, if I read this right, there were three dissents. You're You're a federal and Supreme Court litigator, a constitutional litigator, you know, you know this counting business is important as well as the ideological persuasion. Was it surprising to you only three justices said they would have heard this, and those three, help me out, were Gorsuch, Thomas, and was it Alito? Yes. Okay. Was that surprising was, to you? You didn't pick up one or two more? It, it was shocking to me, yeah. uh, candidly. Um, the reason that it was so surprising is that the court had held Baronell's petition, her request for justice, uh, was held for nearly two years by the U.S. Supreme Court. And the way that Washington State and the ACLU 
have pursued her has been draconian and spiteful. They have sued her personally as well as her business. And by denying her case, it clears the way for the ACLU and the state to financially ruin her. Mm-hmm. So this is a grave injustice. Um, the only only thing we can say that's redeeming about this is that it only is limited to Washington, and we will continue to fight for the rights of Americans to establish this principle. But go ahead. Go ahead. I would just say that I think we have to ask, like, how many more Baronelles will right. it take, yep. and how many more decades will Jack Phillips have to litigate for his freedom? I and heard you say that, Kristen, and it's a very, it's a very compelling question, uh, rhetorical question you're asking. I heard you say that on a, on another news program, and and thank you for saying it because it almost sounds like, and you tell me there may be contours in which you're un, unable to comment on this, but it almost feels like from the outside that some of these. Um, businesses, some of these businesses, some of these artists, you know, we have artists here. We had the Brush and Nib folks here in Phoenix. You know them as well. Uh, some of these artists seem almost as if they're, they've kind of got a little bit of a target on their back. They're kind of being targeted. The people are trying to make a point. Everything is just fine. No one's being discriminated against. And someone comes around and says, you know, I think given the condition of the courts and uh, today we, we can go and make an issue of uh, Mr. Phillips or Baronel. You're spot on. I mean, they're picking, the activists are picking the jurisdictions, they're picking their targets, um, and they're, and they're making, teaching lessons to their states. Thankfully, the Arizona Supreme Court stood for the rights of all Arizonans, because this issue doesn't just affect those who have orthodox beliefs about marriage or human sexuality, but it's the right of all of us, regardless of our views, to not be compelled to do things and say things that violate our core convictions. Um, and I would say that in terms of, of the target, um, we're allowing our system of justice and even anti-discrimination laws to be misused to essentially become weapons that are just one more step in that cancel culture that we're seeing activists use. Kristen, you, this, this is really the heart of it. And that's, it makes me want to ask, it's really all of them. It's a First Amendment case in some respects on speech and uh, freedom of religion. It's another kind of case in other ways that it's hard to put your finger on. But I have a right not to violate my own faith. I, I simply do. And I thought even justices as liberal as Souter once said, it's impermissible to compel speech that you don't agree with. I just don't understand the country we're living in right now. I should say I don't understand the jurisprudence. Can you straighten it out? Or am I... <laughs> See, I went to law school, so so I may have been miseducated, <laughs> but I, I remember reading in law school uh, a case called Hurley where Justice Souter said you cannot compel people to say something or do something they don't believe. Not in this country. Well, they've even said it more recently than that. And you're right. Hurley is the cornerstone of this jurisprudence, as is Barnett, which involved whether Jehovah's Witnesses' students would have to pledge to the flag. That goes way back. But even more recently, you know, ADF won a decision called NIFLA the same year we won Jack's case. And NIFLA stands for the proposition that you can't, religious pro-life pregnancy centers can't be forced to refer um, or suggest that their abortion for you know, free or low-cost abortions by the government. That was a compelled speech case as well. Uh-huh. And the court said no. And then in the Janus Well, decision, the stay Supreme on that a sec. Kristen, sorry. Thing. Kristen, stay on that. The court said what on that case? That's interesting to me. On the... in, in, 
in this way, the court said it's wrong for the government to force oh, people to Good. express messages okay. yep. that violate their convictions. Good. Okay. And even Justice Kennedy said that, mm-hmm. um, you know, at that time. And then Janice followed up. That's another Supreme Court decision where Janice said, and, and when we're talking about issues like sexual orientation or gender identity, controversial speech, that speech reserves the highest rung of protection Correct. under the right. Constitution. You would think. You would think. Uh, so do we, are we – do you think the Supreme Court – is it possible to read tea leaves here? The Supreme Court is waiting, um, is waiting for a case with uh, better fact patterns, stronger fact patterns, different kinds of plaintiffs. Do they want to get it out of the realm of t- uh, LGBTQ issues? What what animates this? Because the law, yeah, I think the law is pretty fairly clear, and even even what they decided or didn't decide on that Pennsylvania Pennsylvania uh, Philadelphia uh, Catholic adoption thing, it just seems like we were winning this stuff. It seemed like it, and I think that we will. Okay, um, but I think we have to persist. Um, we can't give up. The, you're right in that the Fulton decision two weeks ago, a religious adoption agency case, um, certainly signaled that the court's poised to protect the rights of religious organizations. But that next step is we can't just protect religious institutions. There are people that make up those institutions, and they deserve First Amendment rights as well. And so that's the issue that that we need the court to take up and to affirm. And I believe they eventually will, but it's up to all of us to have those discussions at our dinner tables with our kids as to why that's important with our neighbors and our school boards. I mean, we're seeing what's happening across the United States in the public school system. Enough is enough, and we need to stand for the rights of all individuals in this important, critical debate about what it means to be a man and a woman. Thank you for that, Kristen. And finally, you've been so generous with your time. Uh, I appreciate it. I'll let you go after this last thing here, if I can, Kristen, because, um, you know, you've been in this battle for a very long time, and uh, bless you for it. Thank you. Not everyone is as strong as you. What is it you would tell people who are inclined to support you, but, you know, are a little bit tired of being beaten up and being told things like, oh, for goodness sakes, just grow up and make the damn cake and give them the damn flowers. What do you say to them, Kristen? It's not about the cake and it's not about the flowers. And if the government can crush the cake artist or the floral design artist, it can and it will crush every single one of us. Americans have always lived died and fought for the freedoms of free speech and religious freedom, even for those with whom we disagree, because that anchors a pluralistic country and a durable republic. And that's what's at stake here. Kristen Wagner, thank you. Stay strong. Stay at it. Godspeed. And what a great message, especially heading into the 4th of July weekend. May you have a blessed and peaceful one. Kristen Wagner from the Alliance Defending Freedom, ADFlegal.org. Kristen, thank you. Thank you. You betcha. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Portions of this show brought to you by my friends at Cool Touch Air Conditioning. They're the company I use. They're the company my friends use. They're the company... My family uses fantastic customer service, the kind of small business you'd build if you were building a small business. They do everything right, Chris Funk and his team at Cool Touch do. Right now, they're talking to you about a new system that works like it has a dimmer switch on your air conditioning unit rather than power.
powering it off and surging and on to keep the temperature where you want it. This is like you've plugged in, a, you've put a dimmer switch on a light so that you can get the most comfortable living environment with the biggest savings and you don't have to pay for those continual power surges that are huge drags on your energy bill. The future of air conditioning here is here, and Cool Touch is charting it. And for a limited time, they're also offering a $2,000 rebate on this system. But they're there for all your air conditioning needs, repair, replacement, new, you name it. Give them a call at 623-734-1932. That's 623-734-1932. Or visit them at CoolTouchAC.com. That's CoolTouchAC.com. Patrick's in Mesa. Hello, Patrick. Hello, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Uh, I've often wanted to call, but uh, mostly most of the time I'm on the road. Well, I'm glad to have you, sir. Thank you. What do you do for a living? Uh, I am in sales and construction project management. Fabulous. By the way, is that rude for me to ask people that, Patrick? Is that an okay question? I'm, I'd, I'd love to know what people do. And my dad always asked people what they did, but I don't know if it's, a, it's, if it's appropriate or not. You sometimes wonder well, about that. It, it creates a personal interest. Good. Thank you. Good. Okay, thank you. I will continue <laughs> and, doing it until I'm, I'm told not to. And i so. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Well, Often we've discussed recently that conservatives need to be more assertive, yeah. not aggressive, yeah. but assertive. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when I heard your statement about get over it, just make the cake, my immediate reaction was... Uh, you know, hey, you do know I meant that as a um, as a um, devil's advocate position, as the position yes, the left yes. is. Okay. But okay. my immediate reaction was, hey, get over it. There's other bakers. Yeah. There's other florists. That's right. That is the right response, by the way. If it's an argument of get over it, just do it, get over it, find another baker. Yes, that's exactly the yeah. right response in, 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 in rhetoric, in rhetoric, it's called to quote me, but you're exactly right, Patrick. That is well, the normal response. I think response. it ought to be, uh, uh, fly a, a kite might be another way to say it. Yeah. Fly a but kite might you. be a, another way to say it. I'm sorry? Fly a kite might be another way to say it. <laughs> No, I'd rather make him think. When's the last time? Any, when's the last time anyone said go fly a kite? <laughs> I might be da- <laughs> I might be dating myself. Plus, adding fifty. Here we go. Pivot. Pivot. But I, I really appreciate your show, and I thank you. I am learning every day from you. Well, I thank you. Very kind, sir. Thank you. Where are you from originally? You from here? Born in Riverton, Mesa. Fantastic. I'm a desert rat. Fantastic. Not a lot of us. I was too. Not in Mesa, here in Phoenix. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you, Patrick. That's great. Thank you, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah, that's right. The first 16 words of the First Amendment are not requiring of a degree in linguistics or brain surgery. They're pretty clear. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The founders were pretty skilled at language. I don't think anyone here could tell them how to improve their use of language, but I will tell you this. Where herein is the ambivalence? Congress shall make no law. Now, okay, we understand this wasn't a con- a, an, an issue of Congress making a law, but many years ago, 1947, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the First Amendment, when it came to religion cases, was expanded to move beyond Congress. It meant states and any government authority. That's what it 
after 1947 meant. Any government authority. So, fine. Any government authority shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. Simple enough. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means the government cannot show preference to one religion or another by stating that we are a X state, an X city, or we are going to give privileges to X religion over Y religion. That's all it means. No preference to one religion or the other. That's the first part. Or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Prohibiting the free exercise of your religion. Now, I understand, as every modern person understands, that religion and culture are not the same thing. One usually, usually is seen as an adjunct or in opposition to culture. Let me try it this way. If the culture or the polity in which you lived was X and you're a member of X, you would not need your church. You would not need to go to church. If you all lived that way, if you all lived and spoke and thought that way, you wouldn't need church. Church is there in opposition to the culture. Why so many statements in the Bible and religious texts about how hard or how much harder it is to be a religious person than a non-religious person? Religion goes against the grain of the culture almost by its very nature in some cases. The notion that they're the same thing simply means that we wouldn't need a First Amendment. We have a First Amendment because the founders knew that they were not the same thing. This wasn't a Jewish country. But George Washington made it eminently clear this is a country that would be safe for Jews to practice. They had one test. They had one test to be seen as perfectly equal citizens with Christians and everyone else. And what was that test in his letter to the Jewish community of Newport, Rhode Island. What was the one test? Obey the laws of the country and comport yourselves as good citizens. That's it. That's it. That's all it is. That's all it is. But the Supreme Court has made a muddled mess of this. Robert Bork some years ago pointed it out. You'd have a hard time. You'd have a hard time wanting to become a First Amendment religious liberty attorney if you knew this going in. But according to the Supreme Court, a state may lend parochial school children geography textbooks that contain maps of the United States, but it may not lend them maps of the United States for use in geography class. A state may lend parochial school children textbooks on American colonial history, but not a film about George Washington. A state may pay for diagnostic services conducted in a parochial school, but therapeutic services may have to be provided in a different building. All of this comes from a 1962 decision, Engel v. Vitell, prohibiting prayer, Bible reading, or even a moment of silence in public schools. 
In addition to declaring that these are all violations of the First Amendment, the court has held unconstitutional even school practices that are neutral as among different religions on the ground that under the First Amendment, religion may not be preferred to irreligion. All of this started in 1947 with a really bad Supreme Court decision where we were told by the justices that Thomas Jefferson believed the wall between church and state was high and impregnable. Guess what? Jefferson never used those words. Never once. That was an invention of the Supreme Court as well. You kind of just want to listen to that all day. Is that is is that Getty Lee taking us up there on Closer to the Heart? Those higher octaves. Tina's in Star Valley. She's a fan of Rush. Hi, Tina. Hi. Oh, what a great bumper music. I I could listen to that all day. I know, well. right? I know. I know. <laughs> right. We're we're, we're listening to freedom to music heart. today. Yeah. So, um I I called last week and talked about bullying. Yep. And I you know, here, here we are again with the bullying of these people of principle, of uh, Jack Phillips and Baronell. Um, and Could you think of two people who are more docile and unobtrusive and unoffensive to society than someone who bakes cakes and someone who sells flowers? I mean, uh, no. can you yeah. think of two more <laughs> docile and peaceful professions? You know, it's not like we're going after rough and tumble, you know, major corporations here or for or construction crews. We're going after flowers and bakers, for God's sakes. Well, let's point out that they wouldn't go after uh, construction yeah. crews. Yeah. You know, it's like that old thing of, you know, they never, uh, uh, you know, they never have shootings at an NRA convention. Or, <laughs> you know, or, I've or, never heard or that. that. Gun store. No, I've never oh, heard that. yeah. Yeah, um, but you although know, I know no mass shooting has ever been committed by a member of the NRA, I've noticed that. Uh, yeah, exactly. I know, or GOA. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not as big a fan of NRA uh, right now. Because, fair enough you know, they, to they, say. I, you know, you make a good point, yeah. and I wanted to get into that at some point. But you're right, and any, <laughs> any, any professional gun owning association that also engages in training is not going to find a member engaged in a mass shooting. You're just not, because they do a better job of the gov- right. than the government, first of all. First of all, right. they do. And, it, you know, and, and to, uh, to quote the, uh, the, the lovely red-headed uh, stepchild, Jen Psaki, we can go back, we can circle back yeah. to the idea of bullying. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, bullies don't pick victims that will fight back. That's a fair um, point. Uh, even though... Even though these people have, uh, you know, have have gotten, uh, you know, the legal representation, mm-hmm. we hope that they'll win. Mm-hmm. But they don't pick people who stand up for themselves, uh, you know, just by nature. And uh, that, you know, we have become this this polarized society of bullies and the bullied. And as the gentleman who called before, I'm very wise. The the gentleman who was on the road said, you know, we, we conservatives need to stand up much more assertively for ourselves and refuse to be bullied. You know what's and, kind of know, interesting in part and parcel I was thinking you had me, had me thinking about a little, and I'm thinking out loud here with you, Tina, but you were talking about, you know, the dangers of bullying in your last call, 
you know, at the individual level, what it can do to a child and the consequences it can have, disastrous is the, is the, is, is the answer. You know what I was just kind of thinking in that other context of the use of that word? America used to be talked of by the left as a bully. Do you remember those days when America, we, we were the ugly Americans who were engaged in bullying other countries? It was a quite common plaint of the left who have gone on at a social and domestic level to do their level best to sissify America. Is that a fair thing to say? I think it is. Uh, they have turned yeah, they, martial they virtue. Have, they, they've, yeah, they've turned martial yeah. virtue into toxic masculinity, and so sissified us. Uh, you and I have had talks before. We had the caller before who was talking about what our men and women aged eighteen and nineteen were doing in nineteen forty-two, and in nineteen fifty-two, oh, yeah. and in nineteen sixty-two. The problem I have with the boys and girls who are 17, 18, and 19 now, you know what the problem is I have? It's not their fault. My, my, my problem is if they were asked to go fight the author of Mein Kampf, they might just end up saying, I don't understand why we do that with race here. Can I, yeah. pick, can I get you on the other side of this commercial break? Uh, yes, please. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I'm Seth Liebson. I don't know, am I looking to get fired today? I don't mean to be. It's just I'm tired of holding back. And I, if you want critical race theory, that book was written. It's called Mein Kampf. You're not going to find anything else that looks through the lens of history with race stronger than that. That could be a yeah, theme song for our uh, our friend Tina in Star Valley. Tina, thanks uh, thanks for waiting. I was just making the point. I think it's interesting. Um, the problems with bullying that you say there's real bullying and fake bullying. And for years, the left made an issue of America being a bully on the world stage, ethnocentric, culturally superiority, complex, all the rest, to the point that we have so sissified this country, so reduced its moral and uh and 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 military stature uh, abroad as well as within that i think we have totally sissified our society i don't think those boys of point to hawk could be replicated today i hate to say it look let me be clear i have met wonderfully intelligent able and agile uh teens that could be a great generation but i've met way too many way too many drenched in the uh, socialistic Marxist education system that they could not escape from, and I would say some 80% of them, I just don't think are where 80% of the country's men were in 1942-3, It's just a different country, Tina, and it's a different man because we have emasculated our country and our, and our boys. Yes, and if you look at, I mean... The founding fathers were completely bullied. They were responding to bullying when yeah. they wrote the Declaration. Yeah. In fact, they listed the bullying activities of the king. And um, you know, and I, we, you know, we talk about the Bill of Rights culture. Mm -hmm. If you look at the Bill of Rights, you know, the Constitution in general, the Bill of Rights in particular, it is a, a statement of we will not be bullied by this newly formed federal government. We will not allow them to do the things that the king had done from the bullying that we, okay, we got rid of the bully. We fought him. 
and you know, and we whipped his butt. And so, you know, we're we're going to stand up for ourselves now that we have formed a new quasi king. That was the theory. Um, yeah, that was the theory. And you know, you were you were kind enough to. Uh, uh, Exhort me to quote books when I when I called you. No one has ever said <laughs> and, that uh, sentence before. You were kind enough to exhort me to quote books. <laughs> Bill, write that down. What was so unique about <laughs> Seth Leibson's radio show? Well, he was kind enough to exhort listeners to quote books. Can you put that on? Paper? Send that to Jim. That'll be our marketing. <laughs> Kind enough yeah, to exhort <laughs> listeners to quote books, Tina. Oh, my gosh. If Jim is listening. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Go ahead. well, I have a book. I okay. have a book to quote. Okay. It's, it's, a, um, it's called A Gift for Treason, and it's the cultural Marxist assault on Western civilization by a gentleman named Daniel J-U-P-P, huh. Daniel Jupp is on Amazon. Huh. And he is a Facebook friend. I mean, I'm... I'm in jail for two more days, but, you know, I'll, I'll get out for five minutes. Um, and he is uh, under the, the pen name Bartholomew Chiarescuro. Mm. And he's, he's a British guy who is just a, a heavenly writer. And if I, if I can quote briefly from this wonderful book, uh, the creed of multiculturalism is, of course, the practical application of the abandonment of classical distinctions between civilization and barbarism. Give it to me again. That, that's important. That's good. Do it again. Yeah. Okay. Well, multiculturalism, I mean, my husband, uh, he's, he's, he's a pithy kind of guy, and um, he says uh, diversity is not our strength. Diversity is our weakness, and multiculturalism is our weakness. And, you know, yeah, you can't be united and diverse at the same time. I, I don't understand yeah, the principle of yeah. diversity. You can't... You can't <laughs> You can't have unity and diversity at the same time. They're kind of opposites, you know. Well, you know, diversity plus pro- propinquity equals war. Yes. So, yes. Right? Yeah. Does it? So the creed of multiculturalism is, of course, the practical application of the abandonment of classical distinctions between civilization and barbarism. I love it. So I think that's exactly right. I, that's I'm, better said than the way I was doing it throughout the week. I was trying to talk about the difference between natural rights and positive rights. But that's a pretty good way of doing it. I like that. Your, 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 your well, quote is better. Well, this is a chapter on, you know, on the Greek and Roman uh, history, you know, foundations yeah. of Western civilization and our culture. And, uh, you know, he, he says a healthy society does not just impose its values on others. It refuses to allow its values and identity to be subverted by those opposed to it. In other words, you don't bully people out of their values. That's right. So, I, th- I think that I, I think that makes a really good point. You can't bully people out of your value out of their value uh, so long as they maintain the value um, and, right. and, and, and God bless, God bless the oppressed in America who have clinged to traditional forms of morality. Bless the black church in so many ways, right? From which the, Indeed. uh, Indeed. F- from, from, from which the manumission and civil rights movement came. Thank God it stood against the culture, by the way. No one, was, no, yes. no one should complain about that if they want an illustration of what I'm talking about when religion stands against the culture. Fine. Just ask what Martin Luther King meant when he said the most important part of church is what happens when you leave. That's what I'm talking about, changing the culture. Yeah, right? right? Yeah. I mean, it just, it, yeah. ju- it, just, it shouldn't be a debatable point. But 
but but but what you're talking about is so fundamental to the problems we have right now because it is an upending of the natural right concept that all human beings are equal because it is only from that precept as Lincoln understood that we can get to their entitlement of freedom right I right. don't know how right. you, you, you no one is entitled to freedom if we're not uh, if if we're not um, all all of course equal but Tina I um I got to tell you, I listening to you, it makes me worry even more. I'm worried even more because I, I, I yeah, you're laughing, but right, I, maybe because you agree. Maybe Only because, with recognition. That makes yeah, me yeah, worry yeah, too. yeah. You're, yeah, you're <laughs> laughing in assent because because I, I got to tell you, where do we start to make it right again? I've always thought the schools, and I, and I still think that. But that doesn't happen in a year. I, it just doesn't. But if we don't start now, and thank God for these parents showing up at school boards and doing what we've been pushing them to do for a long time, they're finally, they're finally doing it. It's maybe like those meetings at the town halls that led to the Tea Party movement. Maybe, maybe yeah. the parents of children in schools, maybe the parents of elementary and secondary school children who are tired of the Mein Kampf Nuremberg ethics their children are being taught in their government-paid-for schools and their, in their paid-for schools run by the government, right. maybe they're going to take it back. They ought to. They certainly I, have I, the moral I, right I, to. I think so. Good. And we, you know, I'm glad to hear that Doug Ducey signed a, a, a bill. Yeah. That, yeah. At least I understand saying yeah. no critical race theory right. to be taught in Arizona. Praise God, uh, really. Well, you know, yes. No, little... thank God for 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 the pushback and the turnaround. We're acting like C.S. Lewis definition of a progressive: the first person to realize he's on the wrong path and turns around. I remember about. Three weeks ago on this show, Mark Burnovich, attorney general, said uh, you have a very erudite audience. We sure do. When you get exhort and propinquity in the same call from a listener, you bet we got an erudite audience. Thank you, Tina. God bless you. Happy Fourth of July. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I'm Seth. Rob is in surprise. Happy Fourth of July, Rob. Well, thank you. And you know what? The better way to say that: Happy Independence Day. That's that's the happy better way. Happy Independence yep. Day. You bet. You know, yesterday you and Bill were talking about uh, tragically hip. I think. Oh, good lord! <laughs> we were not talking. Well, we were not talking about it. I was <laughs> screaming at Bill about it. Let's be honest. Well, okay, screaming, discussing in a less than civil tone, however you want to mention it. But did you realize that Tragically Hip, of all the great Canadian bands, when you think about it, did you realize the band actually, the band actually came out of uh, Toronto? No, I did not know that. Well, there you go. I, 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 I actually am surprised by it, and I take that uh, as interesting, because it, yeah. like, it sounds like such an American kind of... They're, well, they're, exactly. Right? It, it... <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody knows about Bachman Turner Overdrive. Everybody knows about the Guess Who again. Those and Shania and Twain and Maynard Ferguson. And Maynard Ferguson, of course, being Canadian. And, and Shania then, Twain. Know, Shania Twain. Uh, Bare Naked Ladies. There's another great Canadian band. And of course, everybody knows Rush. But even more important than Rush, it wasn't Rush. Gordon Lightfoot. Was, well, Gordon Lightfoot, of course. Um, but in the uh, in the 
in the sense that uh, with Tragically Hip, of all of those great Canadian bands, was known as Canada's band. Isn't that interesting? It's tragic. Well, it's hip. It's tra- and by the way, if, if you're in yeah, the it's hip if you're Canadian. Okay, Rob, who served in the U.S. Navy, wants to define hipness by Canadian culture. Everyone, just FYI. Okay. Well, no, I'm just I'm just stating that uh, <laughs> tragically hip was uh, a representative of the Canadian people's idea that they they weren't influenced by Americans. What what do we have? What does Prager have? A punishment room? Does he have a punishment room? <laughs> What do we have? I mean, Rob, i got to put you in that room. You, I'm going to come back to you. I will come back to All you. Right. But you need All to right. sit and contemplate your sins while I, uh, while I, while I take the na- top of the hour national news break. And, That's fine. And, do, I, and, do I get a dunce camp? Yeah. Or, well, uh, when we come back, I want nothing I on Canadian musicians. All right. I promise. I, I said my piece. And thank God for Bill. Okay. You've said your piece. Now count to three. We'll be right back. Oh, good. Look, there's John and Pior. Can't wait to hear from him. And there's room for more. 602-508-0960. Your show here on out. Give us a buzz.